Welcome, everyone, to the Cloak & Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about Season 2 of Cloak & Dagger, having just finished up there on Freeform. Pete, this is season with no doubt a particular focus, a particular particular path set by Joe Bukowski, one involving smooth jazz, music, that integral part to New Orleans, uh, the, the metaphor of the record store and exploration of the, the dark force through which uh, Tyrone can transport people or into which people can be transported and uh, a continued sense of independence growing in Tandy. And the topical nature of the story as well, um, looking at human trafficking and the very real need to shine a light onto that. It certainly was a season that that aimed high and aimed to be complex. And I know that, that was something that you in particular, Pete, kept uh, kept focus on focused on for the season, this notion that even if something wasn't clicking 100% or, or, or when it was, whatever it might be, that the attempt was there to make it this, this higher-pointed uh, item. Yeah, I think the metaphor that they dealt with was very, very worthy. I just don't know that it completely connected uh, when they went for it. Um, you know, the, the attempt is always going to be validated, but what are you judged by? Did it come across? Was it successful? From a rating standpoint, Matt, it, it cannot be avoided that this was the show that opened, you know, almost a year ago exactly. We're recording this on Sunday, June 9th. Uh, the first season, the first two episodes aired on um, – June 7th, 2018. Um, the first episode opened to almost a million people. And the low point was during this season with about, uh, 235,000 viewers. They ended up, they ended with, uh, you know, approximately 350,000 viewers. Um, but I don't think it's surprising that we don't have a in the hand third season renewal just yet. Also think that, you know, we saw a series finale of sorts. Could there be more adventures? They they check out outside the city. They help the uh, people they need to. Yes. Uh, could we see them pop up briefly in, you know, the third season of Marvel's Runaways? We could. Could we never see them again? I think that's... That's a very real option at this point. On the topic of ratings, the season two finale was the fifth lowest rated episode of the series. The five lowest rated episodes of the series are the last five. So that's got to give some kind of pause to Freeform. As we've discussed all season, what is it that makes a hit? You know, what is it just its live numbers on Freeform? Uh, surely not, you know, Disney, Marvel, et cetera, are going to be looking at clicks on the Freeform app, the Freeform website, on Hulu, et cetera. And all of that goes into defining what is and is not viable. Um, I think, too, you know, the fact that Freeform does not have 
an overflowing amount of success. It certainly has a number of strong, well-received, uh, successful shows, but that too could be a factor in renewal. Like, what are you putting on next spring, next summer, um, spring 2020, summer 2020? What are you putting on there? If you have a hole for 10 episodes and have to put something on and the show is marginally profitable, well, maybe that's better than, you know, better than uh, coming up with a brand new show that could be a complete flop. I don't know, but it's it's not a completely dire situation, but it's not a great spot either. It's not. And, you know, we've built them all the way up into their comic incarnations now and we've put them on a path and it would be awesome to return to that and continue to see them grow. Again, without that renewal, you're you're in limbo until you have that. And, you know, uh, Pekowski, um, the series creator, Joe Pekowski, had uh, tweeted something that, you know, hey, uh, season three, their Tyrone and Tandy would would be together. Just try and get in the way of them being together now that they'll be out on their own. I mean, does he know something we don't and just can't announce it yet? Are they, they waiting for San Diego Comic-Con or something else? Who knows? Certainly hopeful to get more of Tyrone and Tandy. Tyrandy, Matt, in season three. Indeed. And Pete, what for you were some of the some of the bright spots of season two? I did again like what they aimed for, that they would incorporate things that maybe younger viewers would see as, you know, retro with the record store and the shopping mall and and things like that, um, making it a, a locale we continually revisited Um B-sides for me, the episode in which we had the different takes on um, Tandy's life in particular uh, was a highlight, um, as well as uh, despair. I did not think I would enjoy the character as much as I did, and the uh, depth they were able to give to him with a seemingly one-note, pun intended, Matt, problem oh he has migraines okay he suffered these migraines you know reaching too far with his music he got his powers the same night as tyrone and tandy and they bounce each other off once again there certainly is a world weariness that actor brooklyn mcclin brings to andre deshane that that makes me agree with you pete that there is this there's this gravitas to the character that is is usually the road less traveled in terms of drama, particularly drama of this kind of ilk. It would have been much easier to say, you know, oh, he's objectively stealing souls and that's bad and he's leaving them dead or, or things of that sort. But they went for the more nuanced take with him, uh, giving him some sympathy. And I think that the season was better for it. I think the mayhem storyline for the most part was good. I think it was a little erratic at times, um, particularly after they joined together and even the characters voiced the confusion there. Do we call her Bridget? Do we not? I kind of imagine there'd just be, I am whole again. And there we go. It seems like it's this other identity that is since 
come forward? And again, should the show continue? Is she even a regular? I know for a lot of the Marvel Netflix uh, programming, uh, a criticism that we have leveled and that many people have leveled is you had 13 episodes, but you had 10 episodes worth of story. I almost wonder with the mayhem arc in this season, if maybe we have the reverse where, and I'm not necessarily arguing for more episodes, but it, it feels as though she was such a driving factor in those early episodes. And then it kind of went away as we spent more time with despair and that's fine. But then at the very end, as you say, Pete, it was just like, well, now they're both in there and she has strength from both or whatever the end or is it? And I don't know that that was quite as solid a landing as we got, say, for, you know, Tandy and Tyrone themselves with a clear, thus ends this chapter, thus we look ahead to the next. Yeah, they they swung big on it. And again, as, as an attempt, I have no other choice than to acknowledge and value that. Um, but I, I think there were things that, you know, I, I can't remember a season of TV that we've watched where a line of dialogue here or there would have just kind of clarified things a little bit more. Pete, any other highlights you want to hit from this season? Well, I think it was a, a real point of contention between the two of us. I really enjoyed the arcade inspired uh, two player episode What with the throwback to the the sideways scrolling beat em up double dragon streets of rage esque uh, video games that they referenced. I did not. I guess that's a good way to transition to the, the dark side of season two. Pete, somebody had an idea for that, uh, whether it was uh, Joe Pakowski himself, the uh, writers of that episode, Kate Rorick and Joy Kekin. Um, I appreciate the attempt, but to me, it just felt so goofy and so out of place for the tone of the uh, the rest of the series. And I felt, in particular, the transitions from them fighting in the real world or the on camera world, whatever whatever it is. I know they're in the they're they're in the misty realms as that happens, but the the live action portion to then cut to the arcade and then it just literally felt like the direction uh behind the camera was like and now jump up and down so we can cut mid-jump and you go oh well i'm glad we sure beat level three guy to me it just didn't work for a later in the season episode not a finale uh i really really enjoyed it was there anything else from the season that didn't quite hit that high mark I feel as if Ali Mackey's Mina Hess got really sidelined in this season. Um, you know, she popped up, I think, in episode two, and then they sprinkled her in the, the, the last couple. Um, but the, this was somebody who was far more linked to the storyline um, the first time around, obviously studying the rocks on uh, magic stuff. <laughs> Um, with the with the valves and everything like this. And then this time around, it was basically, and I will tell you now how one mouse turned into two mice and P. 
people are like that too. And I've been kidnapped and will now hold despair at the end as you impale him with your lightsaber. I mean, your light sword. For me to kind of expand on some of that sentiment, we have these great characters from season one that we have a, a sense of kinship to, or, or certainly a sense of uh, direction. Uh, I think of Adina and Otis Johnson, the the parents of Tyrone, uh, Melissa Bowen, Tandy's mother, even Connors. You know, I don't think we have sympathy for him, but we certainly kind of know where he's coming from. And out of all of them, I think Connors is the only one in my mind that really gets uh, used properly in the story. Um, I think that you could argue about the morality of mom, Adina, uh, killing him, I think that it's a compelling bit of drama that she she went through that thought process. Uh, and frankly, I kind of like that in the end he, you know, he who operated outside the law uh, gets you know gets his end outside the law. But I feel like in retrospect, his death could have happened a couple episodes earlier, if not for the fact that we wanted Gloria Rubin in more episodes. Uh, I feel like uh, Andrea Roth's, you know, Melissa Bowen was kind of sprinkled in there because she's a prominent enough actress but maybe wasn't used prominently and all of that in exchange for you know the the leah andre stuff which was compelling but not as compelling as the characters that we already had 10 episodes with i mean listen the show is cloak and dagger so obviously um tandy and tyrone are going to carry it but I think of somebody like Tyrone's father, played by Miles Musenden, and, you know, how little we saw of him in this second season after seeing him in the first. And granted, uh, Gloria Rubin, far bigger actor of the two, uh, the one you're going to put in there more, the one who's going to be more integral to the storyline. But even then, I came away like, give me some more Gloria Rubin, you know? All right, Papa Legba and Leah and Michaela. But, you know, I want my glory, Reuben, Matt. And to me, look, if the intention of the show was to have a, a season two that was distinct of season one, okay, fine. Many a show does that. Uh, if you're treating it as chapters in the book, this is a different chapter with some carry through but a different feel. I guess for me, though, it just didn't completely land in terms of me taking in these new characters the way I had taken in the season one characters. With that, Pete, let's open up the mailbag. And all season long, we've had such thoughtful emails from William Cornegay, and we are, we are blessed to hear from him again. And uh, let's dive on in to his thoughts, Pete. He says, as I settled in to watch Level Up, I realize that of the numerous genre shows and movies I've viewed, it's only in the past five years I've seen men of African descent serve as the main antagonist. Black Panther's Killmonger and Black Lightning's Tobias Whale are two that aren't white in the source material. There are a number of semi-prominent heroes of color in the DC and Marvel universes. The major comic book publishers haven't been as productive creating villains of color. When they do, I hope they are as multifaceted as Andre Duchesne. His love of jazz was a nod to his ethnicity, but his ethnicity was not a defining characteristic. His background was tinged by tragedy, making him semi-sympathetic. He was intelligent, charming, and had the potential to do good. Yet he was undeniably evil. 
complex villains from different ethnic groups going forward is an organic way to increase interest in the waning comic book industry. Season 2 was superior to Season 1 and did a great job of building off it. Some of the episodes seemed a little repetitive, especially when they entered Tyrone's cloak. The show got a little claustrophobic near the season's end as well. A lot of time was spent in the record store. We didn't see much of Tyrone's school, either protagonist's home, or the greater New Orleans area. The Crescent City has over 300,000 people. I felt that last season, the city felt more like a small town in season two. The already small cast shed too many recurring characters. They killed off Connors and Auntie Chantel. Father Delgado, Tyrone's father, and Nina Hess were all underutilized. Perhaps that's an aspect of the reality of being homeless or having a neglectful parent. Kids living on their own or the streets don't have typical social lives. They don't travel in packs to see Into the Spider-Verse. They don't hop on a chartered bus with the junior class and spend the day at Six Flags New Orleans. I think Cloak and Dagger would have benefited from a 12-episode season. Each of the character visitation snippets wrapping up the season could have used an extra three minutes. No Johnson family reunion was criminal. I've loved being a part of your podcast, and I'm glad you have other shows in your sights, regardless of the status of this one. You'll certainly hear from me again, even if this is the last Divine Pairing podcast. Remember, the end is only the beginning. Well, thank you, William, with that. And, and we're really looking forward to uh, hopefully more Divine Pairing, certainly the other shows that we podcast and, and having you along for the ride there. Um, there's really nothing that you said there I wouldn't agree with. With the slight exception of the, the 12 episode, I mean, you, you said that it was repetitive. Um, I wonder if we were to add to it how much of that might continue. The point about the uh, the size of the city, yeah, it, it seems like there's so few people in New Orleans. And uh, got me thinking, too, about the reunion. I mean, mom and dad got together, but that Ty didn't get back with them having had his name cleared just felt you know, unresolved. All right. Again, a potential storyline for season three, but not guaranteed. Particularly given his, you know, transporting ability, it would have been simple enough to, you know, at the bus stop or on the bus or whatever to quick jump back. Um, but alas, they didn't do it. I will say this, Pete, having been to New Orleans and having been to New Orleans in my, in my, early mid 20s i think i was maybe 24 which is a good time to be in new orleans um i know the city is more than the french quarter but this show was on the periphery of the french quarter i mean there definitely were scenes shot in it but none of that sense of adventure down every road of the french quarter and some of it you know the stuff we all know about beads etc but also some of it you know just fantastic weird little shops or amazing restaurants and things of that sort I know that the the storyline of this season, we're not going to have, you know, homeless on the run, uh, Tyrone stepping into, you know, uh, a famous restaurant for lunch or that sort of thing. But it's a long way of saying I agree with William that the the breadth of New Orleans wasn't quite captured in this season, along with some of these other concerns that we've been kicking around. Yeah, I mean, the decision to have Ty be the one on the run in the church, you know, they need their standing sets. So you had the church, 
you had the record store, you had the mall, you had the Roxon gas station, you had the uh, Johnson family home. Um, it's pretty much it. And the exteriors, I mean, all right, occasionally we're on a roof and we're on a street and some of the stuff, you know, in the in the various uh, voodoo tours and, and things like that. Yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of the city as well. Hopefully we will have that opportunity in season three. However, with them on the bus, I think that, you know, that's the big question. Does the show do a soft reboot? Um, does it, does it? need to do a soft reboot and then not be back in new orleans with tyrone's powers time will tell i know pete as soon as there's news about the next season be it uh be it light news or dark news we will certainly share that on the podcast if only matt there had been shows set in new york that are no longer there that cloak and dagger could return to their og stomping grounds Ooh, so maybe maybe part of the ending was driven by production reasons and you know scoop up some of that that new york tax money there maybe new york tax money is bigger than louisiana tax money who knows time will tell well pete all season long we've been supported by the people go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek the people who keep us listeners supported the people who keep us sustaining in the future along with the whole back catalog up there so one more time to say thanks to them Absolutely. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Only takes a dollar to get you in the door. Uh, so again, everybody going to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. You are the wind beneath our wings. Pete, as we await news on season three, how can people be in touch with you to talk about Cloak and Dagger? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,522 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word, with the P, with the H, like it today. Well, as mentioned before, we will be back to talk again, whether it's season three renewal or series cancellation, whatever the future might bring. We will, I'm sure, within 24 hours of the news, make sure that the podcast feed is updated. So it's not goodbye, Pete. It's just putting the podcast on pause until then. So with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. More cloak and dagger, please? <laughs> <laughs>